Welcome, everyone, to the very latest episode of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. An absolute thrilling game against Newcastle up at their place. And uh, who have we got in the house? Well, of course, uh, we've got the people that you would expect. First of all, Bernard. Bernard, how are you doing? I'm okay, uh, Michael. Uh, glad to be on and uh, glad to sort of try and get this sort of uh, cathartic, is it, when you sort of talk about things, get them off your chest. Uh, <laughs> glad to get a few things off my chest uh, before I go to bed. Absolutely. Guys, this is uh, 5.03 a.m. in South Korea, and I'm absolutely <laughs> thrilled to be with these two guys. And we've also got Ray. Ray, how are you doing? Hey, I'm still champion, mate. I'm I'm still champion. I'm, uh, you know, obviously not the result we wanted, but probably the result we deserved. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go straight back over to Bernard, and uh, let's uh, just talk uh, just a few little teasers before uh, we talk about uh, this game and obviously the other games. But uh, Raheem Sterling has been um, in the media talking about Man City. What do you know about that, Bernard? What do you think about it? Uh, well, I've not, I've not actually sat down and read the transcripts or read it or listened to the thing. I've only seen what's on Twitter. And, you know, he's asked questions, isn't he? It's up to Ryan Sterling whether he wants to answer them or not. He can he can say things that aren't, you know, going to cause bother or he can try and cause bother. And everyone knows the City fans, the problems he's had for the last couple of years and the way Pep stuck by him. And to most, to most of the fans are stuck by him. And to come out with a couple of things he's saying is uh, it's a bit it's a bit depressing, but uh, um, I won't boo him when he comes to our place, but uh, I certainly won't clap him, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, he, he he could just say, you know, look, I'm a Chelsea player now. I don't want to answer it, but obviously that, that that's not what he wants to do. He's making a stance, isn't he, against City? And as I say, I've not read everything on it. Perhaps it's been some of it's taken out of context. Ray might know a bit better, but. Uh, for me, for me, he didn't have to say anything, did he? And he's not been, you know, complimentary to us since he's left. So it's not unexpected. It's a little bit ungrateful, isn't it, Ray? I mean, I think <laughs> there's no need to do this. I mean, we've got James Milner did it. Other people have did it. And why do they do this? Because you got that word. It's actually, I was going to do a video about this tomorrow. And the first thing I wrote was ungrateful. Ungrateful. You know, you don't need to see the transcript, Bernard. You can actually see him in talking and saying it. So there's no chance to take some of this stuff out of context. He's, it's come, come from his own mouth. Uh, and like you say, he doesn't need to go there. He can just say, look, you know, he he can tread a line that keeps everybody happy. If he, if he chose to, chooses to do so, he can say, look, I, I, you know, I, I wasn't getting as much game time as I wanted. I was frustrated. I want to play more. And I think I'll get that, Chelsea. I'm really looking forward to it in this rebuilding project. I think we're going to go off and do lots of stuff, you know, do well. And then, you know, the Chelsea fans get what they want, an enthusiastic player that's joining them. City fans kind of get what they want because they understand Raheem wasn't getting enough game time and he wants to be fine. Everybody goes away satisfied with it. But today on the social media, you've got a lot of City fans who are very, very unhappy, um, angry uh, with what Raheem has said. You know, he, he talked about not getting enough game time, Okay. Or not getting, yeah, that was one of the things he said. He was frustrated. Uh, he was raging. Apparently, he was raging, fuming. <laughs> and, and someone said, "Well, you know, for, for starts, he was fourth in the list of starts last season um, for, for Man City. I think in the league. You know, when you look, we've got people like Edison who are going to start a lot more. Probably Ruben Diaz who's going to start a lot more. Walker, Cancelo, Rodri, 
uh, KDB, Bernardo, uh, you know, people who should be well above him in the stats. And if, if, if that's right, he had, he had plenty of stats. I think someone said he had a lot more stats than Riyad Mahrez. And you don't see Riyad Mahrez bitching about it, do you? Uh, all right, he's still a city, so he he probably doesn't, he wouldn't, but, you know, never heard it, really, really heard anything. And he, here's the thing, for me, Sterling's looked today. he's got, look, he's got more chances than he deserved under Pep. I don't think there's any question about that, for me, more chances than he deserved. He, he started that Champions League final when he shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been anywhere near that first team. He messed up, Pep messed up our starting eleven to accommodate uh, Sterling. Foden was miles better than him on the left. He pushed forward into the middle, uh, got uh, Sterling out of there. He missed that great chance early on with the when he was on the other side of Reese James. Could have uh, won us the Champions League that. Um, so what, when you look at it like, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to explain something. If I miss any players, that Bernard will remind me. Last season, okay, we played with a false nine. So up front, we had Grealish, Foden, Sterling, Mares, and... Uh, Jesus, I think. Is that it? Yep. Five yep. players for three spots, if I'm right. Um, now, Sterling, I assume, would have been engineering this move a long, long time ago before we find out about Gabriel Jesus. But this season, we've got a number nine. We've got Haaland. Haaland's going to start pretty much every game. So Sterling finds himself for two spots. He was up against Foden, who's better than him out on the left. Grealish, who costs us £100 million. He's up against, if he wants to go on the right, Mares. We've got Julian Alvarez. And possibly at the time he was thinking we had Gabriel Jesus. So he's up against five players, plus him, fighting for two spots. So six of them fighting for two. Whereas last season, there were five of them. Or at the start of the season, there were six. We had Torres. But there was, you could argue, six players at the start of the season fighting for three spots. Now, there's six players fighting for two. And Raheem Sterling knows he's behind. Foden, probably Grealish and Mares. He ain't going to be playing much. So that's why he's left. He, we've got Haaland. Haaland's come in. There's a great chance for, for the team to score a ton of goals. Already this season, we've scored nine goals in three games. It's not bad. But Sterling did not back himself to get starts ahead of the, other, the people I've mentioned. So, you know, that's the reason he left. He didn't back himself. And he didn't deserve, as I said, I don't think he deserved to start ahead of any of those players. I mentioned certainly not Foden and Grealish on the left, Mahrez on the right. And who knows what uh, Alvarez will do. Alvarez could be, you know, a jack-in-the-box. And and Sterling could be fifth in the pecking order. That will affect his chances of playing for England in the World Cup. I think he's going anyway, whether he hardly played for City or not. But the simple, I'll say again, he didn't back himself to getting ahead of these other players. Um, should have just gone, gone quietly. You know, I understand he wants to impress the Chelsea player, the fans, and get them on side and all that for his customary misses. Which, if you watch the Leeds game, I think he had a big miss when it was goalless today. Um, and he wants to get them on side. And um, you know, if he's doing that at the the um, expense of City fans, it's his choice, isn't it? It's not a good one. Bernard uh, Chelsea took a battering at Leeds before the game started. Uh, Sterling uh, had the usual sort of complaints and I was very interested to see that some of the Chelsea fans on Twitter were uh, complaining um, in the same way that we used to. Are you sad that he's gone? No, why why should we be sad? (laughs) Absolutely not. I mean, not because of what he said today or obviously I said I'll 
I'll get round to listening to that. How can you be sad? How can you be sad he's gone? He's done, you know, his, his good games. You can count probably on both hands over the last season and a half. And we, we were grateful for what he did do when he was excellent. But as he said, uh, I don't think any City fan was particularly sad. I don't think anyone was up in arms. Uh, we just wished him luck, I think, most City fans. And this, this is what we get back. All right, guys. Well, let's get straight into it. Now, this was very interesting because... Uh, going into this game against Newcastle, at their place, we had um, uh, a referee called Jared Gillett, uh, an Australian guy from the Cold Gold Coast. I think it was only his second major uh, league game. But let's uh, take a look, uh, Bernard, um, at the lineup for Man City. And that is Ederson, Walker, Stones, Ake, Cancelo, Rodrigo, Duan, uh, De Bruyne, uh, Bernardo, Holland and Foden. And, um, well, it was interesting. Uh, what were your thoughts, Bernard? Yeah, I mean, I got nine right. I thought I actually had uh, Stones and Bernardo in my team as well who came in. But obviously, uh, I didn't realise he'd shift other players out. I didn't expect Diaz to be uh, on the on the bench so soon, which was interesting. And, of course, uh, it sort of ended in tears a little bit, didn't we? Aki, Aki obviously now picking up an injury and has been our main main centre-half for the last three or three games or so. It's a... Uh, it's a bit of a blow, but yeah, apart from that, it was more or less, I think, we knew Ireland was going to start, uh, we knew Alvarez wasn't going to get a game, and it was great to see Foden, and obviously Grealish was injured, wasn't he, again, so that's another injury, that's three injuries we've got already after uh, three games with Laporte, Aki, and now uh, Grealish, I don't don't know how long he'll be out, but uh, obviously he twisted his, his ankle, didn't he, so a strong team, a strong, uh, in theory, a strong team, anyway. What did you think, Ray? Yeah, I kind of agree there. You know, surprised to see that it was Diaz um, rested rather than Nathan Aki. But Nathan Aki, you know, for the times we saw him last season, did well and he's been all right this season. Um, bit surprised that Bernardo started, uh, given um, that, you know, last week we discussed him possibly leaving. Um, but I think the rest of the team, you can't argue with, with that because that's probably, it's quite clearly the, the, the probably the best team we had. Best players we had, um, especially with Grealish out injured. Uh, Bernard, um, there seems to be um, a little bit of uh, disagreement every week about that front, front three because um, Foden and Haaland are, are basically nailed on. This time, uh, Pet went for Bernardo. Before that, it was Gre- uh, Mares. Before that, it was Grealish. Um, are you getting the feeling that um, that uh, Pep is not exactly sure who should be uh, uh, you know, um, make the triumvirate with Holland and and Foden. Yeah, I think I don't think he's worried too much. Too worried yet. Obviously, three games in, people like Alvarez will need a fair crack of the whip. But obviously, he's willing, obviously, to sit back and uh, see what's happening in front of him. You know, Ireland's going to start anyway. So obviously, if Pep's going to get little guys picking up little niggly injuries like uh, Grealish has, etc., he's not going to have any problems. He's got a small squad, so you only need one or two of these niggly things. I don't, I don't think Pep's particularly panicking. He's sort of playing with what he's got. He's, you know, he's literally, he's literally having his sort of teams being picked for him. And, and I can tell when I do my little predictions, you know, I'm, I'm sort of getting pretty close. And that, that's, that's basically because of the small squad and, and the injuries. So I'm, I'm not too worried, Pep. Pep's uh, not really struggling to find what he wants. He's just having to use what's available. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's have a look at this Newcastle team, guys, just for a, just for a short time. Nick Pope, who's auditioning for the England um, position, uh, everyone thinks that he's going to um, 
uh, overtake the incumbent. Kieran Trippier, who we're going to talk uh, a little bit about. Uh, Char Botman, Dan Byrne, guys, that guy impresses me. We'll talk a little about him. Uh, Guimaris, who got injured a little bit. Uh, Joe Linton, Willex, Almiron, Wilson, and Saint-Maximin, Um And uh, there was a funny comment, Ray, wasn't there, uh, from one of the Twitter <laughs> Uh, scribes who said this is typical of San Maximal. He's he's kind of like um, incredibly inconsistent, but in the big games he put in a big performance to get that magical uh, transfer <laughs> that he hopes for into one of the big leagues. What did you think? Well, he's in a big league. He's in. Uh, I said before about San Maximal was maximum today. I'll tell you what, he was he was a bit of all right today. I said before that, you know. I think he's got the certainly got the potential um, to to play at a higher level, but the way Newcastle are going, maybe they'll they'll be at a higher level soon because um, I think from what they've shown this season so far, they should be knocking on the door of uh, certainly a place in Europe. Um, you know what they showed at the end of last season. So um, yeah, look, he, look, transfer window's not closed yet, uh, but it's one of those things. Who's got the money? Who, you know, Man United are the only ones I think. Who were desperate enough because uh, to get people through the door, and, you know. But if he's got any brains, he won't go there. It'd only be money that would drag him away from Newcastle to Man United, and I don't think anybody else probably got him in their plans. It's just one of those things. He's had a cracking game, a decent start to the season, and he's in everybody's uh, everybody's minds at the moment. But I just don't think, uh, as I said, people have had him in their minds, and uh, the money that Newcastle will demand. Would probably be too much for most teams apart from Man United. Well, let's t- we'll talk about that in in a second. But uh, uh, Bernardo, five minutes in, goal, one nil to Man City. Gundogan, tell us about that one. And then after you, let's hear Ray. Yeah, I mean, it's good to give him give. Uh, well, we thought at that stage it was going to be another four uh, nil, didn't we? Which is obviously the difference between us last season. But uh, giving far too much room. And Bernardo, I thought playing a bit more offensively today, which I like to see anyway. Uh, it's superb. I mean, he just moved in and floated it into Gundo. Took it down superbly. I think the defender almost got to it, didn't he? Sort of stuck his foot out, but Gundo just Pope had no chance. Who had a great game, of course, uh, as I thoroughly expected him to have a good game. But uh, yeah, one nil, five minutes. Uh, yeah, it's how many we can score then, isn't it? That was what. That's certainly what was I, I was thinking after that. That flew in. Ray, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, it was uh, Bernardo. Sorry, it was uh, Gundogan who did the crossfield ball to Bernardo out on the right. Bernardo. I think he looked like he was, he jigged around a little bit whether he was going to come inside. He started then going outside and he had, I think, Kyle Walker making a run on the outside. And I can't remember who else was up there with him. Um, but but they, the other players took, basically took three players out because they, someone had to go with Walker's run. That created a little, little bit more space and Bernardo cut in um, inside a bit onto his left, crossed it in. And, uh, you know, obviously Harlan was there occupying two defenders. Uh, and Gundogan was left on marks. He'd uh, ghosted in again. I think he'd gone in and back out because he thought uh, Bernardo might put a cross in earlier. But he was just left on marks. And uh, as Bernard said, he, he took it down. And I don't know if the defender got a, a touch on that. I, it's, it, I thought Bernardo was aiming for the other corner. No, sorry, um, Gundogan was aiming for the other corner. 
Uh, and I think Pope did too, and he went in, in his near port, uh, his, if you can call it, his near side. So I don't know if the defender actually got a touch and de- deflected it uh, totally in the opposite direction because he was that close to him. But again, you know, five minutes in, uh, it, it looked like we were on top, you know, for the first 10 or 15 minutes. I was thinking, well, let's look at the, the next few games because uh, I thought we could go on a really decent winning run at the start of the season. Uh, we were playing, it, it just looked that easy for us. After that, Bernard, uh, we got what most people described as a bit of a, ch- a bit of a chasing. <laughs> well, yeah, it was intermittent, though, wasn't it? It was, um, you know, in all fairness, it was a bit of end to end, wasn't it? I thought, I thought we we did okay. I mean, obviously, you, you're talking chances that uh, we'll probably talk about the Foden thing again, which is very reminiscent of what he did last time, isn't it? But uh, I was a bit worried. Newcastle, Mac, Maximan, particularly, and um, the, the, is it who's the other guy up front? What's the other guy, Ray? Uh, uh, the other uh, forward. Amiron. Uh, the other one. Callum Wilson. That's him. Yeah, Wilson. I mean, you know, they looked, I mean, Maximan was, was pulling Walker all over the place. And it just looked end to end to me. And uh, at 1-0, I, I didn't feel as confident in the next 10 minutes or so. But uh, we did have chances to make it two and three. That's the problem. We didn't take those chances. I think even Ireland had a chance. Foden had a great chance. KDB had a good chance as well. I mean, we just, again, what we were doing last season, we said, oh, we, we won't have these problems with a, with a big striker up front. But yes, we were still having the same problems uh putting that ball in the net and so obviously at one nil it could have been three or four and, and Newcastle gradually grew into it. Right, we've got to talk about this debate because it's been going on on Twitter for like a couple of hours now about uh Foden's uh reluctance to play the square <laughs> ball. Uh let's see what you think about that. Well I said it last week. I said it after the Bournemouth game. We won four nil Foden had two uh straightforward passes to Haaland for tappings. And he chose not to. He chose to shoot each time. But I thought said, they were. Fr- I thought they were friends, Ray. <laughs> they might be friends, but when it when it comes to shooting, uh, you know, Foden's got no friends. Um, you know, I said. I said last week. Yeah, those two chances. He took two shots. We laughed about it. Pep laughed about it after the game. And I said, "You've won. We've won four 0 against Bournemouth. We've given them a good hiding. You know, it's all a laugh and a joke and a slap and a tickle. Hey, it's all right. You know." Maybe next time he'll he'll know that. And Pep said, jokingly, now he knows Haaland is there. So next time he can put the ball in. Next chance Foden gets, he does the same thing again. He has a shot. And it's like he never even looked up. He didn't look up to see. And Haaland was, had Buster got to be there. We had two on one and Foden took the shot. Uh, and I, I firmly believe, as probably most of the people do as well, he puts that ball across. Haaland taps it in. 2-0 up. We were already on the front foot. Newcastle were already struggling a bit, you know, and I just think then they looked to, uh, they would have spent the rest of the first half on the back foot, trying to stay stay in the game, try not to concede anymore and try not to take too many risks and, you know, stagger to half time and, and, and reassess the situation then. But he's not done it. So, you know, I said last week, there'll come a time when it'll cost us. I think I certainly think it's cost us today. Um, you know, people say he's an attacker, he should be selfish. No, he's a wide man. We've got a forward there to tap them in. Uh, I, I'm sorry, if you've got someone there to tap the ball in, you pass them the ball. If you miss, you deserve all the brickbats that are thrown at you. Maybe not, you don't deserve abuse, but you deserve a lot of criticism um, and you deserve to be dropped for the next game because he's done that now twice. You know, if you remember a couple of seasons ago, Mara's uh, apparently 
some of the players had a go at him for not passing, exactly like what Foden's doing now. If he'd scored that goal, we don't see out, we move on. But he didn't, and that's what matters. The go- goals win games, and uh, you've got to play as a team, and Foden was uh, far too selfish. Uh, Bernard, some of the people were saying that uh, at this point, it, it looked like that uh, Walker Ake, who got injured, I, I, I guess, on, on about the 20th minute mark, also Rodri, as someone said, it looked like they were doing leg day in the gym uh, the day before because they, they were ponderous. And uh, Maximin, Saint-Maximin, was making a mug of them. I have to say that. It, it really looked like that. What did you think? I mean, the, th- the thing is the way we play. We, we, need, we, we base our play and Pep's play is always on, all on keeping possession and protecting the defence. And people like Rodri, you know, roaming in front there. And the trouble is when, when we get on the back foot, we're always one-on-one. We've got no cover. So you've got Walker getting absolutely torn apart. And Maximan, he had a field day. He just, he just loved it. He just loved taking on Walker because there's, there's no backup. I mean, there's no, no backup to him. We go one-on-one all the time. So unless we're winning that ball and keeping possession, we're just putting extra pressure on ourselves and that's what happened. I mean, the, the guy was running around like headless chickens at, at the back for about 20 minutes from that, uh, for about 20th minute till till near half time. It was, it was pitiful to watch and if other teams and other teams' managers are watching that, then, you know, we, we've said it before, defensively, and unless we're in control, we're going to struggle and we, we you know, Newcastle, to their credit, were, were absolutely, I thought, excellent, absolutely excellent for that, uh, from about the 15th to the 20th minute onwards till half-time. Uh, they tore us apart. Well, uh, Ray, um, I think uh, Bernard is, is exactly right. And on the 20th, 28th minute, uh, Almiron uh, made the equaliser, uh, and that was coming. That was, I mean, we've heard the statement before by many people, it's been coming, but that was coming, wasn't it? Oh, it's coming on all right. You know, the, you know, as, as Bernard said, Sax, Sax, Max Man, you know, he wrecked havoc. Um, uh, you know, Walker was turned inside out. And, you know, there were, I think there were poor games uh, from some of the defenders, you know. And I, I kept asking myself, why are we making so many mistakes, so many poor passes? So from Cancelo, so from Stone, so from others. Um, and I, I, I couldn't understand why this collective um, malaise going on in our defensive players um, even uh, later on in the game, I saw Gundogan do a blind ball in our own half, which is like, you know, put us under pressure, a blind pass. Uh, I just don't understand it. And I don't know, could it have been that the level of pressure that Newcastle were put in, putting us under was something we're not used to? And our players are human after all, you know, and they panic and they, they, they make mistakes. Uh, and under pressure, you, you tend to panic and make more mistakes. So, uh, maybe, maybe that was it, but uh, yeah, they were ripping us a new one, uh, time and time again. And um, you know, they, uh, if they scored three or four goals in that first half, I don't think we could have complained because we were all over the shop. Well, Bernard, um, less than ten minutes later, it happened again, and we got the same comments. This has been coming. Uh, San Maximan again, this time um, just making a mug really of of Ruben Diaz. And uh, passing to Callum Wilson, who made it uh, 2-1 on 39 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he just, again, we just let him, st- well, not stroll, but Maxim just bullied himself into the middle. 
uh, Wilson, he just needed a touch to beat Diaz. He just took it to his left uh, and it's in the net. Um, simple, simple stuff, but but quality, absolute quality. You, you know, you can't, at that stage, they were thoroughly deserved of being 2-1 up. As I said, even though we could have been at one point two or three up ourselves. I mean, full, fully justified, um, absolutely stunning. And that I say, Wilson took it superbly. Uh, Diaz was just, you know, looked a bit like uh, Van Dyke, didn't he? At the back, he just he never got he never got dribbled past, but he didn't get anywhere near it. That's for sure. Uh, fantastic and a thoroughly deserved at that stage. Then after the last ten or fifteen minutes, a thoroughly deserved two-one lead. Well, guys, um, <clears throat> uh, although that was the situation uh, coming up to half time, we uh, I think pretty much everyone thought that well, it's not so bad. Ray, when Pep gets them in the changing rooms, he'll uh, make swap, swaps and he, he'll do things. But uh, let me just do a sidebar here, guys. Uh, I'll start with Ray. But uh, I think one of the things that frustrates a lot of us is that it seems that Pep doesn't do substitutions. He, he just doesn't. And um, it seems to, to me that um, he, he om- it, it almost looks like for him to make a substitution is like... Um, He's like admitting defeat to the meticulous plan that he and his coaches had laid down, Ray. What do you think? Why does Pep not believe in substitutions ever, ever, ever? I have no idea. You know, like you say, maybe he thinks he's going to be right at the start of the game and he wants to be, and he's so stubborn, he wants to be proven right. He doesn't want to admit that he made some tactical error or some personal uh, mistakes. I've got to say, we... I felt we needed to do something. Carl Walker was getting ripped to pieces. It's Carl Walker. You know, our, our fastest, uh, I think it's our fastest player, or certainly our fastest defender. I've got to say about that that second goal, I think it was Carl Walker went up for a header against uh, Joe Linton. A header that he was never going to win. And knowing that he's going to lose the header, he's left a big chunk of space behind him. Now, there's still a lot of work to do, but he's left a lot of space behind him and some slower defenders behind him. And uh, said Maximan can uh, have a field day then. So I don't understand why he had to do one, in my opinion, one or two things. He had to foul Joel Linton, take a yellow card and foul him so that he couldn't head the ball. Now, I think you can get away with a nudge in the back without getting a yellow card and making sure the guy can't head the ball uh, when you know you can't get it and you know you're out of position. That's one option. Or the second option, let the guy uh, have a free header and start heading back. Um, he didn't do that and you know I thought we needed to do something he needed some support he wasn't getting that he was getting ripped to pieces I mean you had Dan Byrne going down with uh, down um, their left and, and our right with um, Sir Maximan and we could, uh, Walker couldn't cope he wasn't getting enough support from, from midfield from Rodri or from Bernardo we needed to I think change something especially when you're losing 2-1 you know uh, you, you don't want more trouble down that side and we saw in the second half we had more and more and more trouble down that side uh, and we were just getting ripped, ripped to pieces I've got to say as well can, you know um, we talked about I, I didn't mention this but the uh, the Almiron goal what was Concello doing you know he he had a man he was on the wrong side of his man he had another man uh, ghosting in and then he threw his hands up as if you know it wasn't his fault. Is looking for this imaginary other person, other defender to blame. So I don't know what this uh, abdication of responsibility is uh, all about. But going back to your your substitutes thing, we needed to. I thought we needed something. You know, personally, I'd have taken Folden off. I'd have taken him off for not passing to Haaland. 
You know, last week we said he got taken off at our time and Bernard Tate's probably because he was in that heat. He was he looked a little bit uh, off or a bit ill. Uh, but I'd have taken him off and said, you know, until you start passing for e- easy goals, then this is what's going to happen to you. Got to be brutal. You you know, we're not, um, we want to win. And we want to, we've got to be ruthless in whatever we do. And I'm sorry if you did it last week, you, you know, you, and you did it again this week. Why, I have no com- no problem taking him off, putting somebody else on, bringing Mares on. You know, it messes things up slightly, but wh- why not? Um, and but you know, maybe Mares would have given Walker a little bit more support uh, defensively than Bernardo was giving him. The, th- the thing is, uh, Mike and Ray. I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, Mares is possibly the only one who he could have brought on. If you look at the bench, well, I mean, look at that bench. I mean, Diaz was already on anyway. He only had Ortega, Gomez. Mbessi, Palmer, uh, Lewis, I mean, and obviously Phillips and Alvarez haven't even played anything yet. So you talk about substituting, but what the hell have we got to substitute with? I said about a small squad before, as you said, Ray pointed out, we could have brought Mares on and that was the only option. We're getting battered and the only, we're getting battered and the only option we've got is to bring Mares on. What a disaster. You know, Bernard, a lot of people were calling for Alvarez to come on. Yeah, well, he's not done anything yet. He's been on for how many, how many minutes has he played? About 20, you know, yeah. the first two. Yeah, I mean, just, what's the point of that? He just, he's not even had a chance to show anything yet. He's just said the only player on that bench with experience that could have come on that knows our system is Mares, and that's it, full stop. There's none of, none of the others could have done it. You can run As Bernard said, he hasn't played with us before. So, you know, you're bringing on a defensive minded player, but who do you take off? You can't take off for, you know, uh, uh, for Phillips because, hey, you need a goal. You know, now you might think that, okay, Phillips will help shore things up and will eventually score another goal because of our quality. But I can't see any other way. You can't bring young Palmer on uh, and Betty, you know, Lewis. No, you can't be doing any of this. Gomez, Ortega, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. So it is a concern that, you know, with Aki injured, with uh, Laporte injured and with Grealish out, we've got no, very few senior players to go on that bench. Well, guys, a lot of people... Sorry, go ahead. No, she just broke up, I think, Mike. Go on. No, no, I was just going to say that um, um, people were saying that um, uh, Leeds basically started the second half the way they finished the first. Uh, but there was a little glimmer of hope, wasn't there, uh, Bernard? Because sweet. <laughs> seven minutes in, there was there was this beautiful chance for Holland, twenty five yards out, and he loves to open up his body a little bit. He's very reminiscent in that way of uh, Thierry Henry, and just struck the post. That was that was a glorious chance, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, Pope, Pope, Pope is, uh, he had a cracking game in his last game, didn't he, against Bournemouth, was it, at, at the weekend? Uh, uh, he's a big lad. He's, he usually sets himself pretty well, and Ireland set himself perfectly, and he couldn't have done much more, Ireland. It was just a, a, an excellent save from Pope. Mm-hmm, it was, and uh, Ray, but unfortunately, two minutes later, Kieran, Tri- Kieran Trippier uh, made it 3-1 to Newcastle. Uh, let's talk about that free kick. Well, talk about the we give. Um, was it Stones who give that foul away? I think that's the starting point. Um, I think that was a you know pretty weak uh, free kick. But we give we did give a few free kicks uh, away. Um, I think just because of the pressure we were under, the pressure Newcastle were, were causing us. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, 
there's something I was thinking. I, look, it's a cracking free kick. There's no question about that. Uh, right into the corner. Um, Edison, you could see, you know, he had his wall covering one side. You could see he, him start to go one way, realise the ball's going the other way. Uh, by that stage, it's too late. The ball's uh, uh, was probably almost past him. Now, there's one thing that, you know, when I'm, I'm looking at um, the way walls are set up, when you've got an attacking player or two at the side of the wall, okay, what are they there for? What, I asked myself, what are they there for? So we had one side of the uh, goal covered. We had one post covered. And they had two players, on, or one player, on the other side of the, uh, the wall at the opposite end. What was he there for? Was he, th- you know, yes, you can have a double bluff. But what was he there for? He's there for a shot so that the goalkeeper can't see uh, it being hit probably properly and he can't see it coming until he's moved out of the way which is exactly what happened so didn't we think about that didn't don't we think why is that guy standing there he's, you know he's not just standing there to you know ask one of our players the time of the day he's standing there for a reason and it's either to, as, as i said as a double bluff or because the ball's coming that way so maybe that's something to take away and think about for next time but look trippier hits an absolutely glorious glorious free kick I think most people thought it was going to go on the uh, other. He's going to go for the other corner, try and bend it over or around our wall. Uh, so Edison had a long, uh, long distance to cover, but he slammed it the other other side. And even if Edison had gone the right way, you know, at, at the start, I, I'm not sure he'd have saved it. It was that perfect. But I think if he'd known there's a chance, I don't think Edison thought he was in in, in a month of Sundays he'd have a go in that corner. But as I said, if you if you see the uh, uh, an opposition player standing there. Uh, at the end of the wall, ask yourself why he's standing there, and either have a, a another defender standing behind him. So if this guy does move away, it's going to hit one of our players and get blocked. But but think about it just that little bit more. Bernard, uh, we're staring down a double-barreled shotgun. Down, we're three-one down, but cometh the man, cometh the ice man. Uh, and <laughs> it, it was uh, a, a, a beautiful interaction between. Uh, KDB and uh, Rodri and this uh, new this new kid of Alfie Holland's son. Yeah, we got a little bit of luck. Uh, I'll admit it. It was a great floated ball to the back post from a, as a short corner played out, and then it played back to Kevin Monte, and then he, a great ball to the back post. And there's four two Newcastle players, two City players, of course, and we just got the bounce. I mean, we just got the bounce, but it was a superb flick, wasn't it, from uh, Rodri, who just just gently flicked it back. Uh, seeing Haaland and Haaland does what he does. I mean, another couple of chances like that, which he didn't hit the net, but uh, he does what he normally does very, very well. And uh, a well-worked goal, simple goal from a, basically from a corner. Uh, yeah, great goal. Well done, well done, Rodri. We did get a, the bit of the luck with the bounce, so, but uh, so what? It was another 3-2, we're back in it. Tell us about that goal, Ray. What did you think? Yeah, it was, as Bernie said, you know, a bit of luck with the, um, with the knockback. But Haaland's there poaching. He was the one moving towards the ball, moving towards the danger area, while whilst the two defenders were just watching uh, and then scrambling when he was um, when it was too late. And uh, you know, you know, he was about three or four yards out. Pope had no chance. Um, got us back in the game. You could see the the intent. He ran to get the ball from the back then. You know, all all good stuff. And as you say, he's had he had a couple of other half chances. Um, you know, the thing is that people think he's going to score with every every chance he gets. But when you see his highlights, you only see 
the good highlights. You see the goals that he scores. You know, if you wanted to, for instance, if you wanted to watch the highlights of this City game um, on YouTube, it's about two and a half minutes long, the highlights. They show the six goals and they show the red card incident. And that's it. So you're only going to see the best bits. Um, so p- people haven't been used to seeing Haaland missing good chances. Uh, you know, now uh, City fans and others will realise he's not going to score, you know, with every shot he, he has. Uh, but I think he's still scored plenty of goals, especially the way you see his movement, the, the runs he makes, and how quick he is over the first two or three yards. Uh, quick in thought and quick in action. Uh, yeah, and he, he, you know, he, he got to that ball well before the, the defenders and slammed it home. Well, uh, Bernard, it was only like a couple of minutes later, and it reminded us very, very much of the game at the end of last season. Because, like, on the 64th minute, that's literally, what, three or four minutes later... Bernardo Silva played in by KDB. That was majestic, wasn't it? On both parts, yeah. On on the part of KDB for obviously one of those slide rule passes. And Bernardo said, I, I, I always want him to play more offensively. I, I don't like it when Pep uses him as a sort of ball carrier from the 18-yard box. It's uh, a superb run. I mean, he timed his run perfectly. And, and KDB, that's what KDB thrives on that sort of movement in front of him. Uh, we've seen it over many years, of course, with different players who've come and gone, but uh, Bernardo, superb, great ball from KDB. And at 3-3, uh, I honestly thought we might go on and win it. Come on, Ray. You were thinking the same as the rest of us. We were, we're going to take this 4-3 before the end. Because it was like, what, like maybe uh, 25 minutes left in the game? Look, there's, you, plenty you of time. there's plenty of time left. We got back into the game. Yeah, we'd come back from 3-1 to 3-3 in the space of four or five minutes. Obviously, um, our star was in the ascendancy. Newcastle were struggling uh, because, it, you know, we'd come back so quickly and it takes a lot to then to stop the juggernaut of Man City. So they were certainly on the back foot. Like you say, we had so much time and suddenly we were that mean Man City again, playing the balls uh, around very quickly. Uh, you know, creating trouble for for Newcastle. So, yeah, I think it's only natural. And whether it's just being optimistic or whatever, I think it's realistic to expect that City had a, a decent chance to go on and win the game. Bernard, yeah, ten minutes later, we have one of the main talking points of the game: this red card. Let's have your thoughts. Yeah, um, at the time, obviously, what we knew was going to be over overruled when he was. Sent over to the to the monitor, didn't we? Obviously on that, but at the time, because if it had been a straight on uh, sort of tackle where he's he's facing him, but obviously because it was at the side, I honestly thought he would have just given him a booking in the first place. I was a little bit surprised at the red card. It was a you know it was a deliberate act, if you like, but uh, because he did it from the side, I, I didn't think it was a sending off offence particularly. And obviously, uh, the AR wasn't sure. I don't even think that Gillette was that sure. He took that bloody long to sort it out in the end and rescind it to a yellow card. But uh, I was a bit surprised in the first place that it, it was a red. I don't know what Ray thought about that. Ray, was that not serious foul play? Um, <laughs> well, that's what it needed to be to be sent off. Um, my view is slightly different to Bernard. It was a, tack- it was a cynical tackle where, where KDB has basically gone, was getting away from him, OK? So it was going to be a yellow card. If he, I think if he tripped him up, you know, tapped his ankle, I think that's going to be a yellow card. But he got him on his knee. And I just think that's, you You know, you get to a part of the body where you think you've gone high up enough up the body 
that it deserves to go from a yellow to a red. You know, yes, if he kicks him in his head, red card. If he kicks him in his face, red card. If he kicks him in his chest, red card. If he kicks him above the waist, red card. How far do you have to go before that goes from a red to yellow? I think kicking somebody on the knee is dangerous. I think it's dangerous because the uh, chances of injury, uh, I I think, are significant. Um, So, for me... I think it was a red card. I just think because he, he kicked him on his knee whilst he was going away, he had, he had no chance of getting the ball. It was cynical. It, you know, as I said, the mere cynicism of the uh, the, the tackle and and um, because KDB was going away deserved at least a yellow. And because of the height, I'd have given him a red card. I don't care about... Uh, his stu- someone, I heard someone say his studs weren't showing. I don't care about that. He kicked him on his knee. And I just think that's asking him... Uh, to you know, get a, a bad injury, and it, it's not fair. It's not fair on players getting injured because someone has done a cynical uh, and I think dangerous tackle like that. You don't know what the injury is going to be. You know, people say, "Oh, it was unlucky." You know, when Pickford slammed into Van Dyke the other season, and Van Dyke was out for the season, they said, "Oh, it was just unlucky." Well, you know, it was a dangerous thing to do. He got away with that. Uh, I think Trippy got away with this. It, you know, it wasn't. If you're looking at red cards, it's not a ten out of ten red card. But if on a scale of you know, if you need it, if it needs to be a let's say a, a, a six out of ten as a in terms of badness of the tackle um, to get a red card, then this was a six out of ten. It wasn't you know terrible, terrible one. Uh, but I think it just snuck over the line from yellow to red. Mm-hmm. Bernard, from that point to the end of the game, anything worth talking about? No, I did laugh at the was it the 97th minute when I think Pep was a bit frustrated and I think it summed up Walker's game when he just aimlessly bunged it into the into the box for Pope to come and collect it, you know, the last chance of the game. That just about summed up Walker's game. That just summed up uh, the game the game as a whole. I think it was a, a, a little bit, uh, you know, once we got to 3-3, we had a certainly if uh, the red card had stayed, I, I think we definitely would have gone on to win that 4-3 because Newcastle were gone. They were tired out. They, they were, I think they had a chance in about the 83rd minute where the Perhaps the defender hit it over the bar, didn't he? He could have done a little bit better. Mm. But uh, apart from that, they were out of it. Uh, you know, New- it was all City and we missed an opportunity and we, we couldn't have said that at half-time because we were getting absolutely battered. Mm-hmm. Guys, just a, a quick sidebar here um, because I've been asked to comment about it. Um, Andy Hinchcliffe commentating. Um, what what did we What did we ever do to... To piss him off. Um, I think Colin has probably answered that question, but I can't remember. Ray, do you remember anything about what, what that was? Oh, look, I don't really think it matters what City may have done or the fans may have done. The thing is, think about it. If you're positive, if you're an ex-City player and you're positive about City, what's your future going to be on mainstream? On the you know, um, apart from Michael Richards, but if you're going to go on. You know, Sky on news. How long are you going to last? Really? I mean, Mike Richards is a is an exception simply because people love his laugh. People love his you know the, his sense of humour and, and you know and maybe they're not focused too much uh, on what he, the content of what he says. Um, but you've seen ex City players who are against City. Niall Quinn. He hasn't got a good word to say about City. Steve McManaman. He's the same. Hinchcliffe. He's another one. So they're pretty much all like that. Um, and if he's positive about City, if he's far too positive about City, 
that's the end of his commentating career you know, or his punditry career on TV. So being harsh against City is probably keeping him in a job as well because he's not the best uh, pundit out there. But but being an ex-City player and harsh against City, uh, I think that just keeps the money flowing. Bernard, a quick question for you. Um, some people have mentioned that um, when uh, KDB was brought down for that red card incident, should he have done a, uh, an Edin Dzeko? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, perhaps for a minute. Yeah, for a minute. Yeah, because all the time wasted. Yeah, you probably, probably could have done. But that's, I think yeah. KDB is so chuffed but, these days to get. Just, just for the young, so uh, just for the young listeners, can you explain what it means uh, to do an Ed and Jekyll? What What does that mean? Are we, are we talking about staying down for about an hour, something like that? Is that, yeah, is that what we're talking about? Has always been poleaxed, yeah. I mean, this is, the thing with KDB, I think I think he's so relieved. I mean, fingers crossed, he, he's doing so well at the moment. He's getting all these tackles. I mean, this isn't the first game where he's been targeted uh, this season. He's never, but he seems to be bouncing up from him. Usually, KDB stays down. I think he's so happy to be able to get up from these knocks uh, that, that he's jumping up. I think, like you said, he, he should stay down a little bit longer at times, but. Uh, perhaps he's so happy to be fully fit, which obviously he's, he's not been recently, has it? Last season when he had that uh, little thing, um, I think that's what he's doing. So he's not inclined to do the old Edin Jekyll, that's for sure. What do you reckon, Ray? Should he have done a Jekyll? We, what, mate? We want to win the game. It was three-three at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, right? So what? It's like a school teacher saying you're just wasting your own time. <laughs> to the kids, just wasting our own time. We want to win the game. Uh, so, you know, no, he should, he, like he did, he, he bounced up, get on with it. Okay. Okay, Ray, well, um, let me ask you this question. How do you assess uh, Haaland's uh, performances so far in the first three games? It's been, I don't think it's been easy for him because he's not getting much uh, service. He's not getting, it was it the, the last game he had, what was it, 15 touches in the whole game uh, against Bournemouth or something, and we spanked him 4 0. I don't know how many touches he got this game. He's not getting a lot of touches. He's you know, making the runs. He's not getting enough passes. But it's early days, you know. I think three games in, you can't really assess him. If nothing else, he scored scored a, a goal a game. He's on three goals after three games. So in terms of his return, his goal return is he's cracking in it. Goal a game. You take that any day of the week. Um, but I just. You know, I want us to get better on the wavelength with him. And look, I'll go back. If Alden had passed to him last week and this week, he'd be on five goals. And everybody would be raving about Erling Haaland, five goals in three games, you know, and talking about him getting 50 goals in the league season. So um, his return hasn't been bad. Um, the rest of his game, his, his game has been good. Uh, and I just think, give, give you know, give it another five or six games. I think I said last week, you need 10 or 12 games before you can assess how well he's doing. And I have no doubt after 12 games, he'll have six to eight goals as a minimum, maybe 10, um, you know, and then everybody will say he's a success. Bernard, um, uh, same question. How do you assess uh, Holland after three games, but also 
with a particular emphasis on what he does when he's not scoring goals. Well, you know, he, he just reminds us all, us guys of a certain age, of just an old-fashioned centre-forward. I mean, I know he does more than that. and You know, Pep won't just let him be an old-fashioned centre-forward, go hanging and stuff like that. I did notice he was caught offside a couple of times today. He did claim he, he obviously has claimed he's, he's never caught offside. So perhaps the old Premier League is catching him out just a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I think he's doing extremely well uh, considering the circumstances as Ray said three goals in three games we, we can't complain about that he's doing the right things he's working hard he worked he worked really hard today again his, his work off the ball is superb and he, he bounces off people or people bounce off him uh, and he sort of comes away with the ball most of the time so hey nothing nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned centre forward who can play a, a bit of pet ball as well I mean what, what more could we ask double question uh, for Ray how injury did that look to Nathan Ake to you? And uh, how much or how less are you looking forward to the report, the the, the return of uh, Laporte? Well, Laporte just had a baby as well, hasn't he? Uh, his missus, uh, obviously, he's been out. <laughs> isn't he? You know, am, I, am I missing something? He looked well for having a baby, I must admit, sprinting around <laughs> that training pitch. <laughs> well, you know, I don't follow that much on Twitter anymore. I'm not... You know, so I, I used to be, you know, uh, on for, for 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 many hours in a day. My screen time has dropped dramatically since I uh, stopped getting involved uh, in football talk on on Twitter, which revolved around talking about Man City and uh, trolling Liverpool fans. I think uh, by by the end of it. Um, so yeah, um, Aki's injury. You saw him uh, trying to run it off, or, or you know, uh, just to see if he was all right, but. Um, he looked upset when he left the pitch. He looked upset. Um, and obviously, we just got to guess at what the problem is. I've not heard anything uh, after the game about what uh, the issue is. Um, so, uh, we'll have to just wait and see. Um, this is not what we can do, is they uh, wait and see. Uh, I don't even know what the injury was, you know. Um, is it a groin? So, was it supposed to be a groin, was it? A groin problem. I thought he tore a dreadlock, but I don't, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't know what it was. You know, if it was John Stones, John Stones had a couple of airs out of place. You know, beautiful, handsome John Stones. He had a couple of airs out of place. So I thought he might be going off uh, to get, you know, uh, a, 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 to get his hair sorted or Ford and might might needed his uh, roots retouching and getting them blonde again. You know, but um, silliness aside, I hope he's not hurt because. Uh, you know, if Laporte's not fit, then we're down to two centre backs. Uh, and um, yeah, might... it was a... Pep, Pep said it was a groin injury, Ray. All right, thanks, mate. Uh, Bernard, groin injury. Let me sorry, to let me, sorry to interrupt you, Ray. Um, uh, Bernard, is Laporte a better player than Nathan Ake? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit cruel, isn't it? I think Laporte's great at, at uh, carrying that ball and playing it out. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a very good uh, centre half, and I, but I'll, I'm not going to be pushed on that one. I, I've been done pretty as well recently, so no, I'd say they're both both just as good as each other. You're not answering my question. I'm asking no, you. No, defence on that one. Okay, uh, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so I'll, I'll not it. pursue that uh, uh, anymore. Um, okay, well. Well, Bernard, let me ask you this uh, question. There was a lovely tweet from someone who summarised the game with this sentence. Let's see if you agree. They said, a draw feels a lot sweeter when you come from two goals down. Seven points out of three, I'll take that. 
What do you reckon? I, I say it's all right to be philosophical, and I think we can be philosophical, but the point is we've got ease, not easy, but we, we our start to the season is comparatively to some of the other teams uh, easier. And I didn't really want to drop a couple of points at Newcastle, but all credit to Newcastle, they played extremely well. But I'll be philosophical, but I am just a wee bit disappointed. But yes, seven points is okay. But at this point in time, perhaps we should have been aiming, like I think Ray mentioned it early on, didn't he? Uh, The first five, six, seven games, we should have been taking maximum points. But hey, it is what it is. Well, this is a a really weird question for Ray, but maybe he's got more Twitter expertise than uh, than most of us ray how do you get the most recent twitter posts on your timeline instead of people who commented 15 hours ago do you you know do you know how to fix that yeah go to the home where it says home there's a star there i think if i'm I'm, remember i haven't known you for uh, ages and it says top tweets so if you hover above it in the middle of your page at the top It'll, you hover above the thing, it's it's a start, it says top tweets. You can click on that and you can have see the latest tweets instead. Right. Fantastic. That's going to help us out a lot, Ray. But we sorry? Also, yeah, sorry? Is that going to help you a lot or is it too yeah. difficult? Yeah, but there's one more question. <laughs> there's one more question that we have to ask you, Ray. So a lot of people, especially people like me who live in foreign countries, uh, when we can't get the um, the, the live show in our you know national tv broadcasts we mm. have been relying to a company called hesgol or he's goal they they have actually announced that they are no longer live streaming e, uh, epl games and you helped me out a lot today no. so can can you can you share that or do you feel you can't share that I, no no I, I i watch it on the official broadcast but i i do know um this is, this is for foreign fans, foreign fans. This is for foreign fans. I, I watch on the official broadcast. There are some, um, uh, obviously, it's, uh, uh, I, I'm not advocating uh, anybody uh, uh, live stream um, on a dodgy sites, um, but I've I've read uh, one site called Crickstream, and they, they focus on cricket, and they'll find any little minor game of cricket to watch anywhere in the world. Um, and uh, you can they, they do football as well. Quick stream, not clicking for anything else like that. Quick stream. Uh, I'm reliably told they're the best. Well, uh, that that is uh, what uh, Ray is saying allegedly. So this is allegedly. No, this... the people tell me that's the best, but I, I, you know, I don't use it myself. I've uh, got my own um, packages. Uh, got me Prime. Got me BT and all that. So got my own packages. To, to watch to be honest i still don't watch too many games uh because of the my workload and you know um when i was going to games so you know i was going to so many games a season as bernard would attest to you don't get time to watch games on telly and if you go into all the all the home games and a big chunk of the aways you don't get time to watch many on the telly uh you might go around down the pub to watch a few games or whatever uh, some people do that um, but uh, yeah, there's there's many different ways people do it. it it's always I, I'm always amused um, uh, about uh, the, the people who live stream uh, on YouTube, uh, live stream a game that they're watching, uh, and they're quite obviously in the UK uh, live streaming a game they're watching at 3 p.m. <laughs> that's 
uh, on a Saturday. That's really difficult to, to, to watch a game at 3pm on a Saturday in the UK legitimately, unless you're a broadcaster. Uh, so I just I find that quite amusing. Uh, and then they get picked up by a big station to say, hey, come on board, you know, come on board to us. Well, that's, um, we're nearly finished now, guys, but we want to turn, turn over to Bernard, who's going to take um, uh, Colin's role uh, that we had before, before he comes back, and, and, and ask uh, Bernard, uh, Bernard, what do you think about the other results of the teams in and around us? Was anything shocking for you? What, did, did you enjoy them? What happened, Bernard, with the other with the other teams? Oh well, you didn't prepare me for this. Did you? I could have had this, I could have had the results in front of me. Well, Chelsea didn't do so well, did they? But uh, all credit, all credit to Leeds at Chelsea. Uh, Ray can help me out on this. Arsenal did very, very well. I mean, that was yeah. an excellent result against uh, Bournemouth, wasn't it? For uh, Arsenal, uh, Tottenham. Yeah, I believe they got a bit of stick for being a little bit defensive, didn't they? In their one nil win over Wolverhampton, but at least they got the victory. So all the all the sort of uh, usual culprits, I'm not too sure um, Palace uh, had a good win. Did they? Palace had a good win as well uh, yeah. over the weekend. Yeah. Um, who Villa? else have we got, Ray? Didn't Palace uh, uh, beat Villa 3-1? I think Zaha scored uh, a goal or two. Uh, he did all right. Um, and our other results are... Okay, so you've got, obviously, yes, yesterday's results... Uh, the Spurs beat Wolves 1-0, Palace beat Villa 3-1, Everton drew with Forest 1-1. I think Everton in for a mighty long season. Fulham uh, threw away a two-goal uh, two lead against Brentford, but still came out on top 3-2. Leicester, who going to have a struggle this season, lost 2-1 at home to Southampton. And obviously, like you said, Bournemouth uh, lost. Right, and right, uh, won at West Ham. That's a good result Brighton, for uh, Brighton. Brighton is doing very well, yeah. Brighton, Extremely well. Um, but hey, you know, we're second in the league. Can't complain. Leeds a third. Spurs are uh, fourth. Brighton fifth. Newcastle sixth. You know, they're a, a good side. And it'll be interesting to see the bottom, you know, the bottom of the table um, derby, won't it? The Northwest derby t- tomorrow <laughs> night. Man United against Liverpool. Well, 19th play, 15th. You know, um, someone's going <laughs> to, you know, I mean, if United lose, they, they drop to the bottom of the table. If Liverpool lose, Hey, you know, they don't drop any lower uh, than where they are in 15th. But I think most uh, fans would like to see a draw out of that game. A couple of sending-offs, you know. Salah and Van Dijk uh, get sent off for Liverpool um, and they draw 1-1. I'd take that. Are we surprised about, are we surprised about West Ham struggling? Or with Mr Moyes, I think that's probably on the cards, isn't it, this season after a good season last season? They've two good seasons, haven't they? They've two good seasons on the bounce. Um, so it's inevitable that um, at some point they're going to, you know, if a team punches above its weight, it's very hard to stay punching above its weight. Look at Leicester. Two seasons of finishing fifth. Last season they struggled. This season they're struggling again. Uh, you've seen it with teams like Fulham, not Fulham, um, Sheffield United. Good season in the Premier League once they're back. Following season, um, they're gone. We, we see it time and time again. It's very hard to sustain good season after good season after good season. Leicester did, you know, even when Leicester won the league, what happened to them after uh, season after? There was, you know, bottom half of the table, I think. And when Rodgers came, that's when uh, they had a that, that little bit of success. But, you know, West Ham, uh, they've got to be, let's put it into context. They lost against uh, champions at City. They lost against Forest, which would really disappoint them. Uh, and then they lost against Brighton, who are going to be up there 
this season. I think Brighton have got a good chance to finish in the top eight under Potter. Uh, I think his first season was a struggle, but he's now showing what 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 he can do. Uh, West Ham are gonna uh, they can have the bottom of the table derby against Villa, uh, the Claret and Blue derby um, next weekend, and then they, they face Spurs. So West Ham. It looks like they're going to struggle uh, at the start of the season. You know, I can see them losing to Spurs and maybe getting a point against um, um, Villa. And then they're going to play Chelsea after that. And then mm. this Newcastle side. And then it could be the bottom two on the 17th of September. It could be Everton versus West Ham. So I think they're going to have a struggle at the start of the season. Moyes will be under pressure because I think he's, like a lot of managers, you're just eight or ten games away from people asking questions and West Ham were booed off the pitch today at full time so um, he's got a really really tough six weeks ahead of him Okay guys uh, just uh, two more points before we finish off uh, asking the, the, the guys that uh, obviously the next big game is uh, Stratford against the Dippers score prediction first of all we're Bernard not using the word Dippers Mike Mike we are allowed to use the word Dippers uh, people no, say I, I'm, so using, I'm using it anyway I'll I'll take the legal consequences. You can call them scallies. You can call them scallies. Okay. Well, let's go to uh, Bernard. What would your score prediction be? Oh, tosses one, arseholes four. <laughs> okay. You you you. <laughs> I don't know who you think is going to win there, Bernard. Uh, with those predictions. Take your pick of which one I mean. <laughs> um, oh. Okay, I think he means Liverpool for Man United too, but I don't know where those two are from. Yeah, I, I think Wank Spangles one and <laughs> and Spunk Bubbles two. <laughs> don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> I thought you'd forgotten about that, Mike. I know. I, I never will, guys. I just want to finish off on one thing because we're really going to finish right now. And uh, you know, one of our uh, great friends is Nigel Rothband, the Man City Show, a great podcast. And his dad, uh, his Mike, dad, does he listen? The question is, does he listen to us? Have you tested him out to see if he listens? Well, to I, I think Nigel does from time to time, but um, I'm not sure about his dad. But he, his dad turned 102. Wow. And this guy is an absolute war hero. And uh, I'm just going to share something with um, our listeners. I love uh, podcasts about World War One and World War Two, And uh, this guy... <laughs> there, Wendy. Yeah, no, really, really, no, I really do. And, uh, you know, Nigel's dad was a, a, a real war hero, a real war hero. And uh, I think that's a fantastic achievement. And uh, I, I just want to finish off by congratulating uh, him and uh, Nigel's family and, uh, you know, expressing gratitude to what he did. But, but basically, we, we do want to uh, pay tribute to Jeffrey Rothband. Guys, I'm... I just turned uh, 52. This guy's 102. And so the idea that I might have 50 more years is it's just... a frightening thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's, in, it's incredible, isn't it? What, what, Mate, what an incredible Mike, Mike, trust me. Get yourself married to a 32-year-old woman. You'll live to 102. Don't, don't doubt that. You'll make, you'll make damn sure you live to 102. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much for this podcast. Let's just thank the, the guys for coming on. First of all, Ray, thank you so much. Hey, always a pleasure. And we're second in the table. There's now better. And Arsenal toppers, Presswich Blue, our buddy said, there's now better than Pepin Arteta.
Or Arteta and Pep after the league title. It don't, it don't sound good. If you're going to say Arteta and Pep, uh, I don't know what rhymes with Pep that we can uh, uh, slip in there. But um, anyway, you, you'll think of that before next week. Thank you very much, Bernard, for coming on. Yes, no problem. And, uh, and obviously, uh, uh, thanks to Mr. Rothband Senior there for uh, everything he'd, he's done for us. Brilliant. I mean, another 50 years of bought from the blue, guys. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't see that happening in, a, in 10 years of my 50. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen, finish off in the normal way and say, have one of us and up the blues. Up the blues, guys. Up the blues.